Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. You've tuned in to Columbia Calling, your first stop for everything you want to know about Columbia. How and where to invest, where to visit. From the Pacific to the Caribbean, the Andes Mountains to the Amazon jungle, Columbia has a slice of everything. Shooting from the hip, answering the questions that need answering. Here's your host, the journalist and hotelier, Richard McCall, shedding some light on the fashionable South American destination of Columbia. It's that time of the week again, folks. This is me, your host, Richard McCall, here in Bogota, Colombia, 2,600 meters closer to the stars. And this is episode 453, or episode 1 for 2023. So happy new year to you all and welcome back to the Columbia Calling podcast. Emily Hart will be up next from Medellin with the uh, news brief, which is always excellent. We had a long and well-deserved break, as you did, I'm sure, as well. And we are hitting the ground running this year with already with several um interviews lined up for you. Emily is working on getting some people from the Hay Festival. I can let you know that on this episode, we're talking to Bruce McLean about travel in Colombia in 2023. So we're starting off with a nice uh, upbeat, upbeat uh, episode for you. And we'll be talking about different places in Colombia and so on and so forth. Support Bruce uh, at bnbcolumbia.com because he's one of our major sponsors here on the podcast. Of course, our other major sponsor is latinnews.com and you'll hear about them in a short moment but this one is about travel and I can tell you that next week or well depending on how it all goes we've got Rebecca Spruber on and we've recorded with her you'll remember who she is she is the German Primera Linea activist the one who was deported from Colombia the interview is recorded and so I'll give that out to you a week beforehand to our Patreon clients our Patreon supporters and we've also got Dr. Luisa uh, Osa from Marcelo Osa, well, professor actually, uh, Luisa Marcelo Osa from, I want to say Vanderbilt University, but I think I'm probably wrong. But it's in Philadelphia, no, it's La Salle University in Philadelphia. And we're talking about the African roots of uh, Colombian music and indeed racism that's inherent in Colombia. So, actually, a really fascinating episode where we talk about some of the significance of the uh, lyrics to some of Colombia's most popular songs. So we've got three already racked up for you and more coming. I will be talking to uh, some volunteers and some supporters of Children Change Colombia, the um, NGO of which I am a trustee in the UK. That's a very small NGO and it helps uh, the most at-risk children across Colombia in a few projects, keeping them out of being recruited by armed gangs or falling into prostitution and drugs. Anyway, three of our sponsors from the UK 
Colombians and uh, Brits were over in Colombia over the Christmas uh, holidays and they visited some of the projects. And so we're going to talk about their reflections on visiting these uh, projects in really down at heel and dangerous parts of Bogota. So very interesting to hear from them too. So those are the podcasts we've got lined up, but of course there'll be more. And I'm open to hearing from all of you and indeed our Patreon supporters who you'd like to hear from. Do you have any people who are recommended? Any people that you can put me in touch with directly? That's always useful as well. So thank you again, all of you, for tuning in. 2022 was an excellent year for the podcast. Major growth, and I expect much more this year too, because we really, really are pounding away at getting the right people on and the right topics on that keep you interested. So thank you again for listening. Over to our sponsors, and then Emily Hart with the Columbia News Brief. Thank you, and don't go away. The Columbia Calling podcast is sponsored by Latin News, a leading source of political and economic analysis on Latin America and the Caribbean since 1967. Their flagship publication, the Latin American Weekly Report, provides a behind-the-scenes briefing on all the week's key developments throughout the region. Sign up for a 14-day free trial at latinnews.com. The Columbia Calling Podcast is also proud to say that we are sponsored by BNB Columbia Tours, which is a leading tour operator in Colombia, providing a large range of private day tours, transportation and bespoke packages throughout Colombia since 2017. By popular demand, from January 2023, they will be providing exclusive small group shared tours for those aged 50 and over. If you're interested in experiencing one of their unforgettable journeys through Colombia, be it a shared tour with like-minded travelers or creating a private package of your own, just complete the form on the Columbia Calling website, that's columbiacalling.co, or the Plan My Trip form on the BNB Columbia Tours website, that's bnbcolumbia.com, and they'll be in touch within 24 hours to answer all your questions, and to start the planning of your Columbia adventure. So please support our sponsors, our patrons here on the Columbia Calling Podcast. That's bnbcolumbia.com and latinnews.com. Thank you again. I'm Emily Hart, and these are your top stories for the week of January 16th, 2023. An assassination attempt against Colombia's vice president, Francia Marquez, was reportedly foiled last Tuesday when her security team found more than seven kilograms of explosives on the road to her family home in Yolombo in the department of Cauca. A police bomb squad destroyed the device and nobody was injured, while Marquez expressed determination to continue in her work towards peace. However, the path to President Gustavo Petro's total peace has hit a stumbling point with a prosecutor's decision this week. The prosecutor's office has refused to lift arrest warrants for leaders of armed groups, including the Clan del Golfo and the Pachelas, on the grounds that paramilitary structures do not have political status and therefore arrest warrants cannot be lifted with a view to negotiation. The High Commissioner for Peace expressed his disagreement with the decision, saying that the total peace law passed last year allows negotiation and dialogue with a diverse set of groups and structures. Despite a declared ceasefire with numerous armed groups in the ongoing total peace strategy, political violence continues. 
Two dissident FARC groups kidnapped two soldiers within 48 hours this week, one in Bolivar and one in Cauca. Meanwhile, clashes between FARC dissident groups and the ELN guerrilla left at least 10 people dead this week. Eight soldiers are being investigated for the rape of an indigenous 15-year-old girl, a member of the Nukak Macu community in San Jose del Guaviare, in 2019. Six local entities have been asked to provide information, including the National Ombudsman. A wider investigation is now underway into military sexual abuse against local communities in the area, particularly against indigenous groups. The region-wide 2016 Odebrecht corruption scandal continues. Colombia's public prosecutor charged nine former officials of the National Infrastructure Agency this week, including the current director of political party Cambio Radical, Herman Cordoba. The charges relate to irregularities in contracts on the Ruta del Sol road. The Odebrecht case will continue with many more investigative threads, including threats against witnesses which prevented them testifying against, notably, former Attorney General Nestor Amberto Martinez and business magnate Luis Carlos Sarmiento. A subsidiary of Sarmiento's Aval Group was part of the group of businesses which won the contract for the second section of the Ruta del Sol Road in exchange for millions of dollars in bribes. In Colombia alone, 18 convictions have been handed down in the Odebrecht case, with more than 30 indictments in the last 33 months, relating to one of the biggest investigations into power and corruption of the last decade. Colombia has reduced its coca eradication target by 60%. The aim for 2023 is 20,000 hectares of the plant, the base for cocaine, to be destroyed, as compared to 50,000 hectares last year a target which was not met. Petro's government is calling for radical change in drugs policy, pushing to abandon the prohibitionist paradigm deemed outdated, inhumane and ineffective. Petro has also announced this week that his government will review all mining titles in Colombia to make sure that they are compliant with basic principles, including the care of water. A bill will be presented to amend the current mining code. Already in 2023, extreme weather conditions have affected around 850 people in Colombia, with 19 landslides and five floods affecting nine departments. After a landslide of around 9 million cubic metres of earth onto the Pan-American Highway in Cauca in the southwest of the country, the department of Nariño was cut off from the centre of Colombia, affecting transport of food, particularly potatoes and dairy. Thanks to early warning systems, nobody was killed. Gustavo Petro cut off his trip to Chile in order to return to the country and face the climatic crisis. Extreme rainfall in the country has been an ongoing issue for his government, though the Weather Institute estimates that rainfall will remain above average until at least March of this year, due to the extended influence of the phenomenon La Niña. Latin America's economy is due to grow 1.3% this year, according to the World Bank, but could grow by up to 2.4% in 2024, according to new predictions. Colombia's economy is due to grow in line with the regional average this year, but will grow 2.8% in 2024, slightly higher than the regional average. The price of the US dollar is back below 4,700 Colombian pesos, having broken the 5,000 peso ceiling in recent months. 
Colombian capital, Bogotá, is the sixth most congested city in the world, according to a new global traffic scorecard survey. Citizens are losing an average of 122 hours in traffic annually. Last year, Bogotá was ranked eighth in the same survey, carried out by INRX. London is the world's worst in this year's ranking, with 156 hours lost per year. Those were your top stories for this week. Thanks for listening. And we're back. Episode 453. First episode of 2023. It's great to be back. It's great to have had a break. And we're going to start the year with a positive podcast. And it's immensely upbeat. And I know that my listeners out there, all of you out there across the world, Happy New Year. But you'll be so happy and pleased to hear something of this nature. We've got Bruce McLean of BNB uh, Tours Colombia. So BNB Colombia, one of our sponsors, you will know, of course. Thank you, Bruce, for this, of all this, uh, supporting the Columbia Calling podcast. But we're back and we're talking tourism. We're talking travel and we're talking, I think it sounds like a travel boom. Bruce, welcome back on the Columbia Calling podcast. Thanks for having me, Richard. Thanks. It's an absolute pleasure. You are you are one of the top sponsors of the podcast, so therefore I am immensely grateful at all times. It allows me to uh, pay Emily <laughs> a little something, <laughs> and that's the key thing. She is a working journalist, and people really love her news updates, so we are always very, very pleased with that. But, Bruce, let's talk about tourism and travel and tourism. From my perspective, and as anyone's looking on YouTube, you can see I'm in my house in, in Mompos. Mompos is jam-packed right now, high season, January. It's largely national tourists because we are that kind of destination. But I'm looking ahead in the calendar, and in the next couple of weeks, I've got German groups, Dutch groups, French groups. It feels like we are returning to the happier times of 2019. How do you feel? I feel fantastic, to be honest with you, Richard. It's, look, the, what's happening for us is just amazing. We are just getting inquiries daily. We're getting a lot of inquiries of short notice as well. We're getting you know, people who are coming in a couple of weeks. We're getting people who are also coming February, March, June. We've got people for December. We are Everybody wants to come here, and for good reason. As you know, it's just the paradise. This whole country is just amazing. We, we know. I mean, you and I, long-term my immigrants to Colombia, we are we are happy. You're there in Viterbo Caldas, which, of course, the coffee zone is glorious. Uh, I'm up here. It's sweaty. <laughs> it's still glorious. <laughs> but you can see the sheen on my head. Um, yeah. So, I mean, where are your where are your main inquiries and sales coming from? Where can we see the return to tourism growth? For us, easily US. US is the biggest, followed by Canada. Um, I think it's because it's just a you know a direct flight generally, so it's easy for them to get here. Uh, they're coming for ten to twelve days, fourteen. Oh, I haven't said that. I've had a number who have actually. Uh, coming for 21 to 28 days. So there's some bigger, bigger people with more time on their hands, let's just say, who um, can come and experience real 
really Colombia, because if you're only coming for a short time, like, you know, five days or a week, it's like one or two destinations at the most. And as you know, you know, there's there's dozens of places to go here. There's amazing locations, you know, east, west, north, everywhere yeah. you can go. And we take them everywhere it's safe to go. Well, I love this, and we'll get into safety in a minute, but the U.S. market obviously is the market to break, and it's been the hardest market. I mean, let's not bring in Australia or New Zealand. It's just so far away. We can hear you're from New Zealand. Uh, But, uh, I mean, it's it's just such a long trip. But the U.S., as you say, direct flights to most major Colombian cities, and if they're not starting, they will start soon to others. They used to be, I know, into like Armenia and places like that from Pereira, but I'm sure that those have been sort of cut. But uh, given this, they've started again. Oh, Pereira, direct flights, wow. Pereira, Miami to Pereira, and somewhere else as well. Yes. Well, not Manizales because that that airport is no. a, is is decorative. Um, <laughs> it's always yeah, that's that. true. <laughs> but um, but this is a, this is just a huge deal for me. This is just a huge deal that this is happening because we couldn't get U.S. tourists really. I mean, I've worked in tourism a long time or I've been observer and a writer about tourism for a long time before doing other things, but we couldn't get them to leave the main cities, Bogota, Cartagena, and Medellin. But now you are selling other locations to the U.S. market. What, where, where are they enjoying? Where, where are you pitching to them? Look, um, a lot of people are interested in the Amazon because yeah. it's the Amazon. Um, but as well as that, because obviously you've got the indigenous, you've got the wildlife, you've got trekking through the Amazon jungle or going in um, canoes, that sort of thing in there. But what we're actually finding is that a lot of people want to come to El Guaviari also. You know, there's got the rock paintings there, you know, 12,000-year-old rock paintings. You're not behind some velvet rope where you can't touch things. Colombia's, you know, there's something I love about this country where you don't, not everything is necessarily politically correct, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you can touch things, you can see fossils and touch them and that sort of stuff. And El Guaviari is a perfect example, you know, rock painting, 12,000-year-old rock paintings. You could also do a trek through the Amazon jungle because the Amazon jungle still goes up there. You can also swim with um, pink dolphins. You see an amazing amount of wildlife in the way of um, monkeys and armadillos and other things around the trees and everywhere. That's definitely one of the top growing for us next would be Casanari and um Joel Powell there is biggest if as soon as I say ask a question do you want to see wildlife yes that's where they're going because that it's like unbelievable it's like an open zoo you know there's just everything around there's cattle bodies there's caiman there's barbages there's wild deer wild horses uh you know, there's just small anteaters, the giant anteaters, uh, anacondas. Difficult to see the anacondas. Difficult to see the jaguars, but they are there. You will, you know, see their footprints if you're very lucky. Um, but, you know, we have safaris there and 4 by 4s or horseback, uh, staying in one location or, or travelling from, you know, an atoll to another atoll to another atoll for, you know, one day to another day to another day. You know, and Atto is, you know, a homestead. So it's a, it's, it's, it's an amazing, amazing location. Those would be our two large or fastest growing. But having said that, I think the Pacific Coast is going to go boom very shortly also, especially as we've got some uh, uh, wonderful indigenous, new indigenous experience there that we're just starting to offer. Mm-hmm. We've only just got it worked out now, with um, which is just 
amazing actually staying with the indigenous for two or three days in their community. You know, you, you fly into Nuki on the Pacific coast, then you go down uh, by boat a little bit, and then you actually go by canoe um, up a river for an hour and a half to get to this location. So it's it's like remote, remote, remote. It's But it's something really cool, and I, I think that's just going to it's just going to wow wow people as well see these are the experiential vacations aren't they there's an authenticity to them we're using we're using the keywords right now for 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 travel agency but it's very experiential and that's what people are looking for aren't they and the authenticity of it this i went to casanare many years ago when my son may have been about four years old so it's about three years or four years ago it was definitely pre-pandemic actually it's probably three it was the most family-friendly and most exciting place to go. I, I, I truly loved it. And from Ato to Ato, so from like sort of homestead, good, great, great translation that is. A homestead to homestead, uh, we, because, of course, he was too young to be on a horse. We could do little horse trips, but we got a tractor, and that took us across. And then awesome. the Llanero uh, cowboy barefoot, of course, playing his guitar, on the back of the tractor at uh, sunset with the birds coming in to nest the roost. I mean, it was just phenomenal. And I dream of returning. Guaviare, I've been to twice as a journalist, but have managed to sl- slide in some tourism. One once was back in 2007, eight, and I very nearly got in trouble <laughs> because I was going out to the Cerro Azul. So that, uh, the yeah. things, and I was on the back of a motorcycle, and it was still very much guerrilla territory. And the army gave me a hard time for going out there. And then we got a flat tire in between the main highway and the Cerro Azul. And so my like moto driver said, "Listen, I've got to go back to San Jose and get a tire, and I will go back, and then I come back and get you. We'll leave you on this farm." So as you know, basically a campesino. So as you say, a smallholder farm. Very nice man. You know how people are in Colombia. Very humble. Oh, yeah. Very, uh, I mean, I would say poor, but rich in uh, in being able to embrace a foreigner on his on his land, welcome me in, and he gave me some sort of chicha, and he sat here, and we sort of he was a man of few words, and he just said, as the day. Uh, progressed (laughs) he said you know at some stage it's going to get too dark for you to be here because that's when the muchachos come through and i was like yeah i'm really hoping that the motorcycle (laughs) back but i'm happy to say and you will obviously confirm that these times have changed in that region you can visit all these places securely casanare is obviously absolutely fine i mean it's it but guaviare always did have a bit more of a a reputation um you know i mean if you look at a map you've got bogota then you've got below it you've got the department of meta and then below that's guaviare it's only like 160 kilometers south of bogota or something i mean it's straight line um but you are now telling me you send your people there you send americans there that means it's safe <laughs> Absolutely, um, but of course, it's safe where we take you. Yeah. You know, there are still places very close by, like uh, Chiribiquete, 
the national park there, which I want to go, but nobody can go because it still has um, an unsafe element in there. Mm. You know, the most you can fly over it, but that's, you know, that is close. There are places we don't take people, but when we take people, it's spectacular. And sorry, I forgot to mention Cunning Crystallis. I went there myself last year as well. Uh That is just amazing. And it's not just Cunning Crystallis. That's the thing that I, that really, you know, there's, you know, hikes, you can do jungle walks and that sort of stuff and so many monkeys and it's, it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful place to go as well. And bird watching. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, Chile Riquete, you only get to go now if you're Prince Charles, well, now King Charles III and uh, Jeff Bezos. <laughs> or, yes. And, and these guys. I have been to the southern part of Chile Riquete, but that was back in the, again, in the days. My boat driver was a far boat driver. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that was another story uh, for another time. Uh, uh, but yeah, that was that was quite hairy at some point because I'm actually my regular listeners will know because I keep on saying this. It was one point where we were going up the river, the Yari or Yari, and then up to Chiribiquete, and uh, the boat driver goes, and he's just sort of mulling away, and he goes, "Oh yeah, look over there. That's where we had Ingrid for a few days." And I was just like, "Ingrid." <laughs> Betancourt, no. Yeah, yeah, that's where we moved to from there to there. I'm like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> um, I'm now a father uh, of two, uh, a, a very devoted husband. Uh, you know, I'm much more of a, a, a desk jockey now. Uh, I wish I could go and visit these things, but I am aware of my responsibilities. But yeah, Chiribiquete is somewhere that would be just phenomenal. If you can get flights over it, and but don't you have to get like permission from the military and everything for, for even overflights? Uh, apparently, no. Or no. Or yes and no. You just contact the uh, local airline and they are basically, they need to get the permission. It's, it's certain times that you can't do it, yeah. which is obviously there's something going on at that point. <laughs> but we, you never know until you contact them. It's like, yes, you can do it. No, you can't. Uh, it's a case of, but it's not it's not one of the cheaper options, no, obviously, no, but. but This is a good way to segue into it, is Colombia traditionally is not a cheap place to visit. I mean, traditionally, but look at the peso to the dollar right now, to the euro. I imagine that your your clients are just kind of giggling at prices. I mean, what are they saying about it? Uh, They're saying it's still costoso. Yeah. Um, some are. Uh, many are just saying, yep, great, okay. Because although, you know, the you know, that exchange rate has changed so much, but the cost of living here has changed so much as well. Yeah. You know, we've had exchange rate, the interest, the inflation, sorry, went up, I think I read this morning, 13.6% over last year. Yeah. You know, the minimum wage has gone up 16%. I've just received a letter from my accountant yesterday saying uh, 16% increase in everything I've received you know, fourteen percent increase for this transport operator in this area, and and so it it sucks, um, and it's it just means that I have to then increase my prices. Mm. But luckily, because of the exchange rate, I'm going to be increasing it very little, very very little. In mm. fact, in some cases, I'll be able to drop it still, mm. because obviously, you know, it's like every year I have a better connection with people, and so I can get better rates. Yeah. So. Often, I you know what might have cost a hundred dollars last year will cost me ninety or ninety five this year. So it's a case of you know things aren't that bad, but prices aren't going to be 
cheaper than you know last year. I wouldn't yeah. say that. It's that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, we can we can enjoy the prices, but if you're only like coming down for a week to Cartagena or something, I've and I've seen the massive increase in in tourists from the US, but that's always been one of their one of their big key points because it's a contained uh, eternal city of Colombian <laughs> tourism yep. and it's easier and so on. So if these are like New Yorkers or Miami dwellers are coming down, they're flying down the hotel. Yeah, is obviously you can't get a hotel in in the US for less than a hundred bucks, and then in in Cartagena you're paying top end for like two hundred, you know, one hundred and fifty, yeah. and and then eating out at some of the most sophisticated restaurants in Colombia for what ends up being is like sixty bucks or something like that. I mean, these things are these things make sense for an international tourist. Uh, you don't come on holiday to save money. Let's we remind no. people of that as well. I was watching a you know you, you, there's a difference between national tourists and, and international tourists, and as I'm dealing with so many national Colombians, you know there is obviously they weigh up things and and so on. But it, it's very interesting to see. And of course, you deal with foreigners, so you're not charging them the 19% uh, VAT, and that you no. know we're we're into the early days of 2023 and i'm just it's it's causing me a serious headache and my my feeling on that is i understand the government needs money every government needs money but it's not quite the moment to be charging that much it almost seems like a punishment um you know the tourism industry here is only just clawing itself out of the whole we are not out of a pandemic it's the fourth year of pandemic different things have happened obviously there's been progress but we're still in the fourth year of a pandemic officially maybe not a disaster pandemic but we are and no. and we are you know we, we're clawing ourselves out of the hole looking at ahead at a phenomenal year but can we not balance our books first before you know five percent six percent even 10%, but 19% is, it, I mean, yeah. I, I, out of everyone I've had, like, for example, I'm looking at my hotels today, one out of, so there's two hotels, one with 10 rooms and one with seven rooms. One room is a, a foreigners, you know? So, <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, the, the, the VAT thing. And of course, I found what I have to do, though, and, and what we do anyway, but is is I have to, like every hotel in the world, charge upon entry. You know, as they come in and do the check-in, we charge them, and then they don't complain about the VAT. Hello, James. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, you're not charging that, but as we say, prices no. don't drop. Colombia, transport is always expensive, isn't it? I mean, that's what <sighs> I feel at the end. Transport is, is one. It, Transport prices last year costs went up basically three times for us last year. Yeah. You know, the fuel costs kept going up, so we had to keep on putting them up. And now, 1st of January is when the price of everything goes up, yeah. including, you know, the drivers as well. Yeah. So I, definitely yeah, that's... And gasoline's going to drop again. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it went up three times. Well, October, November, December, they put it up three times for an extra government tax each each month. So... And this year, actually, you're saying about the EVA with the for the domestic market, but it's also for airlines as well on their flights. But that doesn't matter. That they don't discriminate no. against the, the domestic or international. They they charge everybody. 
Well, that, I, that's the thing I, actually we could talk about because I, you know, I normally fly out here uh, because otherwise if I drive from Bogota to Montpos, it's 12 hours. I've got two kids. This is a nightmare. So we break it over two, two days, stop in Barranca Bermeja, where my wife's from. So it's always nice. But, you know, normally I fly out. Avianca has suspended their flights to Corozal, which is like the nearest functioning airport, because EasyFly have cancelled their direct flights to Montpós, which all were full, all of them, from Medellin. Uh, and so it was cheaper for me to fly to Medellin on a cheap flight and then get the EasyFly flight to Montpós and then be picked up by a tuk-tuk moto taxi 10 minutes from my home. It was the best thing that ever happened, and that was last year. Those have been since been suspended. Avianca suspended Corozal Cincelejo, so it's only Satena. Satena, which is, of course, the government-run airline to get to places which don't ordinarily get flights, so therefore they charge what they want because there's no competition. Their flights are arriving at like 8.30 or 9 p.m. in the evening. I'm not driving that road at nighttime. You know, it's that kind of thing. So it's yeah. so the next nearest place is Valle du Pair, which is three hours and three and a half hours away, still doable. But for a family of four, because my kids are over two years old, so they pay, it was going to cost around five and a half million pesos to, you know, ida y vuelta. And I'm like, that's a lot of money. And then yes. you get to Valladolid and I have to go a car. And they're going to charge me between three and 400,000 pesos for a car to get to Montbos. And it's still three and a half hours away. So I'm looking at, you had almost, you know, more than six million six. pesos. That's a lot of money for a family of four. So that's why we're seeing everybody in their cars this year. You know, so I drove, which takes two days, have to spend the night in a hotel. And the toll booths here are ridiculous and they keep going up. So uh, yeah. with petrol and toll booths, it's about a million pesos, you know, and a stay in a hotel. But equally compared with <laughs> it's, it's a lot of money you know so that's a lot of national market you know it's uh so as you say flights are non-discriminatory <laughs> <laughs> that is true driving yeah. or flying transport transfer yeah. yeah it's if you want to save money in colombia you've got to stay in the one location yeah and it you know for that reason it's just yes yeah so as you say like costs are not going down inflation looks set to continue do we think it's going to go up to around 20 percent over this year look i'm going to take a guess and say yes <laughs> i'm hoping no but if everybody's putting their prices up now you know yeah. and these are people who have already put up their prices last year mm. that's what i don't understand these people have put up their prices like two three four times last year during the year as the cost went up mm. and then first of january all right inflation so we'll add another 12 to 16 percent on top and it's like but you've already put your prices up how can you justify putting your prices up again it doesn't but because they're doing that that's going to force other people to put their prices up and it's just you know I, until that well, i mean i mean we're going through this, this these negativisms of the price rises and so on you know we hear a lot Obviously, we read a lot, but we hear about how the conflict in Ukraine is affecting European travelers and, of course, the cost of living in the U.S. But again, you don't see any effects. I mean, you, you, I know for a fact that your office has grown massively and you're looking for even more employees. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Um, well, the UK, well, the European market has never been a big market for me anyway, even though it is starting to grow. Mm. Um, just in the last few months, we've got a number of inquiries from the UK. So that is something definitely on our radar that will be expanding probably a bit of marketing there. Mm. Um, but as far as my my team here that helps me, absolutely. Um, you know, it was just me for a couple of years. Then I hired another person. And this last year, I hired another three. So now there's actually there's five of us, six of us in total now. Um, oh, actually, I've got another person who works on the side as well, who, who um, yeah, works as an agent sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're, yeah, it's going well and we, we need more people. I need more, uh, I need to expand my team. I need more people who are fluent in English, who know Colombia, who want to sell this amazing country or not even sell. I don't even think about it as selling, to be honest okay. with you. It's just sharing. It's, I just share and explain the experiences and things that people can do in different locations and people want to do it because you can't experience things that are available here in Colombia and any other location. You can't, you know, even like, you know, when we do a cacao tour, you know, we, we do the authentic cacao tours where people, you know, actually see how it was how it was roasted, how, you know, on a on an open stove, you know, wood burning in it in the fire, in the yeah, in the fire in the stove underneath. Then we do everything how it's been done for, you know, a hundred years or so. Mm. You know, it's not where you go and see a, you know, everything done by a computer or machinery and that sort of stuff, which you can see in basically any other country in the world. Here, what we focus on is the uh, artisan experiences those natural things and that's what people want to see or i believe you know and so for that reason we're just getting more and more people and that's why i keep saying you know i don't sell columbia i just share it it's you know i could just tell you different stories about different things to do in different locations and i'm great i want to do that i want to do that and it's it's just a matter of working out how much time you got it's so uplifting to hear this. That that is such an interesting point about is that you don't sell Colombia, you share it. It's because Colombia sells itself. What you need is just to nudge people in the right direction, isn't it? It's just about what time they've got, what they can fit in without overdoing it, and of course without underdoing it. I mean, that, that's the thing. If you've only got sort of like seven days, well, you've got to pick carefully. You've got twenty-one days. You've got obviously a lot more leeway distances are big but flights are, are prevalent everywhere and and you know I, I i get this thing i get come back to it and i get this thing i'm saying i say to people no more than three days in cartagena please <laughs> because mm-hmm. there's so much more there's so much more and you know the hotel offering has improved so much around the country it used to be lacking a lot i mean we all used to be hostels at one point because there was no tourism but now you know there is a tourism that is more uh, demanding uh, and and yet we've got i would i would say sort of i don't even want to use the word bit boutique or eco because i think they're a bit more redundant but i said very well run family hotels top end you know small enterprises that uh, focus on service and I think that's what you want, yep. isn't it? Good yes. service. That you don't sell Colombia is a that's that's a huge compliment to Colombia. Uh, I think so. I think so. It, it, you know, it, it, it is makes me it may, it's really uplifting to hear that kind of thing. It's uh, and that's why I was happy. So let's start the year with this really positive note about travel and tourism to Colombia and. 
despite everything going on, we're going to have a bumper year. And uh, I mean, provided, I just think, you know, provided nothing goes 100% south, I still think people are coming. I still think the word is out that you can travel most places without getting in trouble. Is that how you feel? Absolutely. It's it's safe. Mm. You know, the, the biggest concern is obviously people getting sick when they're here, you know, because I know, understand COVID, it's it's worse in other countries than here. Right. And there's so many different variants of it now. It's, you know, I'm pretty sure I've had it like three times. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's just, you know, it's just the flu. Now, that's all that there is here now. It's just, it's not like, and it was never that bad here as it was in other countries, other locations. So, I think that's the main concern for most people. Oh, you know what? Another concern? Insurance. Insurance is ridiculous how much they've gone up. They went and put out my um, the insurance for my car up 40%. percent and like, why? How can you? And my health insurance has gone up 18 or 20%. Oh, yeah. And I'm thinking, but I know it's not just here. It's worldwide. It's like, do these people know something that we don't, that they're just trying to get that extra bit now? I don't know. The the only real thing with, with let's say if we say COVID is if there's another, you know, like hardcore strain like Omicron, but yeah, the strains it I mean, at this point in time seem to be I don't know I'm no I'm not going to get into this. We seem to be doing okay, is what I think. Yes, and absolutely. I've definitely had it once. I know that I got it, uh, you know, after the tourism fair two years ago <laughs> because of the yep. 40,000 people in, in a big pavilion together. Um, and that's about it. I mean, the whole family have had it. My kids have had it. Flu. Uh, my wife was knocked out for a few days. I was knocked out for a few days. We just kind of suck it up. You kind of know, all right, back to bed, take the stuff. Uh, we were in we were in Corferius the other day for uh, back in December for Expo Artesania, so that massive massive fair showing off the best designs available in Colombia. And on the way out, there was a you know COVID vaccination station. Nobody queuing up for it, but I was just like, we're all doing it. So we all got we all got jabs, fourth jab yep. right there. It, was, um, it wasn't Sinovac, it wasn't Pfizer. It wasn't AstraZeneca. What's the other one? Moderna. So we all got Moderna right there. You know, fifteen minutes. Uh, three of us were were all uh, were all vaxxed again. And I just think that's the behaviour, isn't it? Just just keep on doing it. It's just like getting yeah. a jab every year. Next variant, let's do it. Next variant, let's do it. And I will continue. And I know there's people out there who don't believe. And I know there's naysayers. This is my decision. You know, this is my decision. Uh, you know, taken with my family, et cetera. So, uh, you know, we do kind of defend ourselves on that. And then, and as you say, you know, like car insurance, insurance, what about travel insurance for foreigners? Because, I mean, the U.S. is notoriously difficult because, of course, it all comes up on their, um, I guess it was, it's the State Department page. And, and, and I'm sure that isn't, doesn't uh, the IRA have red flags on it for the State Department? Oh, uh, it's ridiculous. Look, of had this discussion with a number of travellers before, um, which is basically don't trust your government with, <laughs> sorry, with what they write about Colombia. It's just not true. It's the case of, you know, although I, you know, might be a bit biased, but the New Zealand government, what I see on their website is the closest to what's really happening here 
than any other. If it's the UK, no. US, no. It's just because it's all negative. It seems to be, I don't know if they don't just don't care or don't do any research or they don't get paid to tell the truth. That's oh. how it feels when I read it, where it's like, you know, you're saying you can't go here and here and here. I just, that's rubbish. You can. You The places you can't go are the places traditionally you couldn't go. You can't go, you know, to the place, you know, if there are paramilitary in a certain area, they've been there for decades. You know, they, they, you don't go there. You can't go there. It's the same with a gorilla, same with any narco trafficantes. You know, you can't go, you know, being on the border with Venezuela, not a good idea. I would, you? you know, it's, it's just common sense sort of stuff. It's nothing new, but they portraying it as if this is still dangerous. It's just not. It's just. <laughs> so in a nutshell, don't trust the government. <laughs> Basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. right. Well, it's not I wouldn't say it's the government. It's just certain people who, and it's what I say, I don't understand why they can't write the truth. Yeah. And it's just, they can't. And it's whether they're not allowed to or they're instructed not to, but they just don't. I it's. I don't you know, get it. It's these the the corporate um, what would you call them security firms, the risk firms tend to veer on being more. Yeah, uh, I would say you know cautious. They tend yes. to on that because then they can't get proven wrong when something happens. But yes. that said, and having worked for one for two months <laughs> um that said they will throw caution into the wind for investments into extractive industries because of course everything's defended and of course it's a uh, militarily defended and of course it's a um uh income and they're the people who pay the bills for these uh for these uh executive security companies so there's a there's a duplicitous mm -hmm. nature there Having been involved for two months, I've seen inside the belly of the beast um, for tourism and people doing maybe academic research, they're very wary because, of course, nobody wants anything to happen to a professor or a student who's doing some sort of research. Uh, by, but by the same time, if you're going to open up a gold mine, uh, you're going to get a client who signs up for a five-year thing. Each report that is commissioned costs in the region of $12,000, and it can be a report of only 10 pages with a presentation. You know, this is what pays the bills. So I think yep. you had a, a point there when you said, I don't know if they're paid <laughs> or not. Uh, we can suggest that they're paid, but we know that the security executive security companies of this nature uh, receive their money for being cautious. And then, of course, they receive their money for promoting extractive industries and other things. So there, there's that. Um, which, of course, puts it all in, in conflict with tourism and, of course, what the government wants to do. But I just think, you know, that's a behind-the-scenes thing. No one should be going to the border with uh, Venezuela. You know, intrepid no. journalists is fine. You know, you're out there doing your job. You know the risks you're taking. Those of us who are out here, who've been out here for a long time, have the, your contacts, know what you're doing, know what you're reporting on, who to, who to check in with. You know, they're, they're the right people to do this. No tourist should be out there doing this. But I think when you talk about Canyon Cristales, which is right there, it's it's Meta, isn't it? It's right there in Meta. Yes. 
the river of, of the, I mean, the multicolored river, the most beautiful river in the world when the, the algae is flowering and it's that purple and pink color. And I mean, at one point, some point I'm going to take my kids when the, when the younger one is a little older, because therefore he will remember it. That's the, that's the idea. You know, that used to be the Casa Verde. That used to be like headquarters for the FARC, hence a lot of the protection of the area because it was off limits. Um, it's so exciting to go down there to see the evolution of a tourist destination where the town itself was run by the FARC guerrillas. They used to deal, you know, people were paid in, 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 in coca paste. People were paid in gold dust. <laughs> And so on, things that were drawn from the river, things that the illicit economies. And so it's that it's that interesting point where you can hear and learn about what Colombia was, but to see a true marvel of nature. And I think that that's one thing that the government obviously does not want to promote. But at the same time, a visitor to Colombia wants to know about the realities in Colombia. And and do you? Do you get that kind of uh, inquiry when they're saying, listen, but I, I also want to know about the politics and I also want to know what happened? Because the, a lot of the guides in Canyon Cristal is a former raspachines, so the kids who who picked the coca leaves, you know, for the production of, of cocaine, they know the trails and the countryside better than anyone. What has been your, your uh, experience with this? Um, absolutely. Yeah, people want to know. Not everybody's interested in it. But we have, we basically, Canyon Cristales is a good point. When we were there, um, the first day, we were, you know, on a uh, launcher up the river, then, you know, climbing up this really steep place. <laughs> and up there, that was like the first first part where, you know, you could see a radio tower that had been um, blown over or blown up. blown up. And that was the FARC had blown it up. And it was a Red Cross radio tower, which is obviously used by the national government as well. Yeah. But you can also... When I was there, we were able to talk to guides and talk to the hosts. Like I stayed in a in the hotel with the owner and that sort of stuff. So it was great to get to know his family and all that sort of thing. And he was explaining how things were up until I think it was 2006. I actually wrote a lot of notes about this, and I've got to write a blog, but I haven't got it right now. Um, but he wrote, I think it was until 2006, possibly 2008, that the FARC were there. Mm. And then the government came in a year later, and then tourism started in 2012. Mm. So it's only been 10 years that there's actually been tourism going there. But he was, you know, explaining, like, over there is where they, you know, put bodies and that sort of stuff, when they, that sort of thing. But they couldn't, they couldn't uh, build much, and it was always very difficult to, to be able to progress doing anything, basically, until they were gone. They weren't basically allowed because it was they were the bosses of everything. Business was crap, basically. There was no, you couldn't make money because if you were seen as making more money, then obviously you had to give them the money, the profit, and that sort of thing. So you can, there is something that I know the guide, our guides at least, uh, are happy to explain what, what it used to be like there and what it is now. Um, but having said that, as much as I don't like a lot of what the FARC did or do, in a way, uh, they protected so many areas. We have all these national parks here now because of them. They would not let anybody cut down trees. There was no deforestation going on. You know, Canyon Cristales is how it is now because of them. There's oil there. And, you know, there's many 
companies and countries want this natural resources that are in there. And the FARC was stopping that happening. And luckily for us, the government has also seen the benefit of that not happening as well. But it's, you know, there's many, the national parks are the size they are because of the FARC protecting them. That's probably the only thing that I'll say positive about FARC. Um, but other than that, okay, getting back to what you're saying, what we provide in Medellin, I think, is the best history uh, tour that we provide of Colombia, where we combine a tour of Comuna Tracy with the city tour. There uh, you learn the graffiti, you learn the history of the graffiti, you understand the stories behind it, you learn everything about the paramilitary, you learn about the guerrilla, you learn about the army, the police, just the drug traffickers, everybody and everything, including obviously Pablo Escobar, the you know, one of the most evil men in the world. You learn his story. You you see things that he's blown up. You see a park, a memorial park, where you can understand things as well and the whole process of what happened in the last 60-odd years mm. and everything. So you learn the truth and not just stuff that you'll see on a Netflix drama sort of thing. So you will – that, for me – if you want to really understand the history of Colombia and the dramas that it has had and still does have to an extent, Medellin is a place, and that's our tour. It's a full-day tour that we provide. It's just, for me, it's like one of the best things about Medellin is understanding not everything about Colombia, but understanding a lot and how the culture has changed because of everything that's happened with the violence in the past and the current violence. I think you're absolutely right, because you, you, I don't think you can come to Medellin without that, because it is an identifying, uh, uh, it's something that identifies the city. We, we understand nobody, nobody hasn't heard of Pablo Escobar. You know, the un, it's an unfortunate, miserable truth. But so people are always going to ask why. I'm not saying we should do a glorious Pablo Escobar tour. It's to understand the human suffering to therefore hopefully not repeat these things and to sympathize and empathize with a population who have, despite everything, managed to flourish and create a yes. dynamic city. And before anyone jumps on a bandwagon here, neither Bruce nor I are supporting the FARC. The issue that the land was off limits and that the FARC were there has created the national parks as they were and has prohibited, uh, in many, many cases, huge and environmentally damaging extractive industries. There is I believe there is coltan as well near to Caño Cristales, which, of course, is incredibly lucrative. And, and I also know, as you said, because of the oil, that there was talk about fracking nearby as well within, within a, some kilometers. And, I, you know, wherever you stand on this, you, it's just too close. It's just it too is. close. Uh, so... So, I mean, you know, even if you're not like an overwhelming environmentalist and so on, these things need to be further away from areas of outstanding natural beauty. And that's, I think we can all agree on that. And then the increase of tourism, which of course is 
limited to Caño Cristales. They do not allow mass tourism there. It's, you know, the numbers are limited because it's a very delicate part of the world. The ecosystem. Yeah, it's just over 300 people per day can go into that part of the National Park. And, you know, the increase in tourism allows for a window of transparency and allows for people to understand and therefore should anything start taking place as in terms of extractive industries, we will have an outcry because people have seen it. Yeah, I think that's another side of things. So, you know, when we have to protect these things, and, and of course, I mean, it's it's no secret. The the locals, the, I guess they're called Macarenenses or something in, in that town, the Macarena town, they are the strongest proponents of protection and understanding what they have there. So, you know, if the local community is in charge, then we, you know, we, we can expect this to long continue, uh, the security. So, Bruce, we've covered a lot of topics, places that you love, places that are growing. We've talked about the economy. We've talked about security. We've talked about the global recession. I think we've covered pretty much everything today. Uh, what, is I, there I think else so. You want to add? <laughs> yeah, I think I think uh, I think we should just say, listen, uh, come to Colombia. Check out bnbcolumbia.com, BNB Colombia Tours. Everything is online. I was checking out your website the other day. It's uh, very complete. <laughs> so uh, very easy to navigate. Very. That's the most important thing, I think, about any travel website. Very easy to navigate. And I suppose, you know, most inquiries go straight through you and then you sort of farm them out to your team. Absolutely. Exactly. I get basically everything. Comes through to my email. Uh, yeah. And I decide who's going to be best for that sort of person. I did forget to mention we're offering group tours as well this year. New thing we're doing, we had sort of high demand sort of thing, all over 50s though. Over like 50s that. is the market for this, for the group tours. So it's people in their own, you know, with the same sort of thoughts or same thing or sort of things in the whole, you know, oh, I've lost my words. My no, Spanish and English have both gone. And there's, a, there's a, also, there's, a, you know, just some, uh, I, don't want, I don't know the word, disposable income, but there's a certain degree of income that can be spent which allows for this kind of of tour, which you know maybe it's you know it's it's adventurous, but within certain parameters. Exactly. And, you know, and I mean, exactly you know, right. Uh, um, but I think that's I think that's an excellent idea. How many people would you take in a group tour? Two different. We're going to do high end and comfort as the two options. High end, we're doing four to eight people, so maximum eight people in a group. The comfort ones, four to twelve. So maximum of 12. So it's always a small group. So it's always going to be comfortable for everybody. I think it's ideal. I think it's ideal. You don't overdo it. <laughs> the groups we get here are on their penultimate stop. Usually they've gone south to north. And they can be up to like 18 to 20, 22 people. And then <laughs> they're on their penultimate stop. And usually they all hate one another by now. And that's why, <laughs> well, that's why Montbos is so so very good for them because it's a safe town. They can split up and do their own things <laughs> and eat separately. Mm-hmm. And, and I, you know, it's like it's so funny. Is you you watch the dynamic dynamic around breakfast and everything. <laughs> people waiting for other people to leave. <laughs> and so, <laughs> but then then you know that's that's part of the part and package of of going in a group tour. You have to have a certain mentality towards it. But listen. Bruce, Bruce McLean, thank you so much for being such a positive and upbeat 
a guest on episode 453 of the Columbia mm-hmm. Podcast, episode one for 2023. Everyone mm-hmm. check out BNB. So that's what baby Norman, baby Columbia.com. <laughs> uh, if you don't understand my accent, but uh, you know, we are, we, they are the, the one of the top sponsors of the Columbia Calling Podcast. So we are immensely and always grateful for that input. So, Bruce, thank you so much for your time there in Viterbo, Caldas. Thank you very much for having me, Richard. Absolute pleasure. As always, it is. No, it's this is the year, folks. Come to Colombia. If you haven't got an idea of where to go on your family holiday this year, and even look ahead. Yeah, the Europeans love doing that. About a year and ahead, we've already got reservations here. So, book ahead. Come to Colombia and check out bnbcolombia.com. Very efficient. Very good. And of course, growing personalized travel agency there. Thank you again. This has been Columbia Calling, episode 453. Check out our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash Columbia Calling. And thank you again for listening. The Columbia Calling podcast is sponsored by Latin News, a leading source of political and economic analysis on Latin America and the Caribbean since 1967. Their flagship publication, the Latin American Weekly Report, provides a behind-the-scenes briefing on all the week's key developments throughout the region. Sign up for a 14-day free trial at latinnews.com. The Columbia Calling Podcast is also proud to say that we are sponsored by BNB Columbia Tours, which is a leading tour operator in Colombia, providing a large range of private day tours, transportation and bespoke packages throughout Colombia since 2017. By popular demand, from January 2023, they will be providing exclusive small group shared tours for those aged 50 and over. If you're interested in experiencing one of their unforgettable journeys through Colombia, be it a shared tour with like-minded travelers or creating a private package of your own, just complete the form on the Columbia Calling website, that's columbiacalling.co, or the Plan My Trip form on the BNB Columbia Tours website, that's bnbcolumbia.com, and they'll be in touch within 24 hours to answer all your questions and to start the planning of your Columbia adventure. So please support our sponsors, our patrons here on the Columbia Calling Podcast. That's bnbcolumbia.com and latinnews.com. Thank you again. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.